In Syria, there was a young man who had heard about Jesus, but hadn't yet made the decision to commit his life to Christ. But when he was kidnapped and threatened with death, he didn't know what else to do but pray. Pastor Pierre tells us what these kidnappers did. They put a bag on his head and then took him to the wilderness and then made him kneel with his hand cuffed and then just behind his back. And then he was praying, Lord, don't let them slaughter me with a knife. Let them just shoot me. It would be maybe easier, less painful. You'll hear how the Lord answered his prayer right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are in the studio in Bartlesville, Oklahoma today with Pastor Pierre. He is a gospel worker in the nation of Lebanon. He has been our guest previously on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You can hear that conversation at vomradio.net. Pastor Pierre, welcome back to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. My privilege and joy to be with you again. Well, it is it is our blessing to have you here. You know, one of the countries that we hear about a lot on our news here in the United States is Syria. Uh, we've talked about the war. We've talked about, you know, Turkey coming across the border, all different things. What's happening in Syria right now as it relates to the church? How are Christians faring in the midst of the war that's going on in Syria? Yes. Well, first of all, I think everyone was devastated by the uh, uh, size and the uh, seriousness of the destructive war which took place in Syria. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of innocent people died, lost their lives, and then their uh, livelihoods and homes and this and that. So it's really uh, astonishing. We don't believe what we are seeing. We were hoping recently that things will settle down, and we are still hoping, and then uh, really people could live again in this wonderful, special, historical, beautiful country. Apparently, uh, the fighting is still uh, going on in some areas. I don't really know details about uh, like geographical uh, locations of these uh, battles. We hear on the news like everybody else, but uh, we know for sure that all the atrocities of the war and uh, the uh, disasters of this civil war brought about spiritual blessings. It's always uh, amazing how God, our merciful Father, can always extract blessings from uh, disasters. Of course, when we look at things, we say, well, impossible. If there is a war, then everything is bad and horrible. Of course, wars are destructive and horrible because of the loss of lives and this and that. But in the midst of wars, of uh, maybe human disasters, uh, natural disasters like uh, earthquakes and this and that, the Lord always is able to make difficulties and pain, take from pain a blessing. And then the churches played a very instrumental role in uh, giving out the message of hope, of forgiveness, of love, of uh, really genuine hope in eternity in Jesus to those who are uh, dying or who lost their uh, fathers, their mothers, their homes, their hope in the future. 
the evangelical churches, Bible-believing churches, played a very, very important role in showing the love of Christ to the suffering people who were devastated by the war. Has the war made the Muslims, both, both Sunni and Shia in Syria, more open to the gospel? I'm sure uh, they did. Actually, I think many, many, many Muslims were questioning their faith after all what happened because all the harm that was done to us is by people who are Muslims, even more Muslims than them, more fanatic than them. And then here they come to commit massacres and uh, do atrocities to their Muslim brothers, you know, and to the Christians and to everybody else. So many were questioning and asking themselves the question, what is this, you know? Is this our religion causing or doing this to us? These, they say, they are following a religion and going back to the fundamentals of their faith, uh-huh. and these are the fruits of their de- of their belief. If this is our religion, then maybe we have to look for something better. <laughs> and then, uh, well, uh, it's not a matter of competition, no, but it's a matter of uh, truth again, you know. The truth which was revealed in the Lord Jesus, who died to save us, is very contradictory to the picture of killing others so that we build our own uh, religious kingdom or our own ideology. Jesus died to let others live by his death and the resurrection. And this message of the cross and the resurrection is the genuine uh, catalyst for uh, changing lives from darkness into light through Jesus. And this is what the churches were and are and will be doing more than ever before in Syria and the Middle East. Yes. Whether war or peace, the the church continues to march forward. Yes, of course. Yes. The war in Syria has had a huge effect on Lebanon, on you, on the church, on the whole country. What has it meant for Lebanon as a whole to have literally millions of of Syrians come into the country? Yes. Lebanon is a very small, tiny country, and then we have 4 million people in it, living on it, and then not many people, but still because the country is very small, so we have one of the highest density, uh, demographical density uh, in the world. Uh, And then we already have maybe some more than half a million of Palestinian refugees and many others also from Syria before the war. There was was maybe or there were maybe some half a million or more Syrian workers and then they were and are welcome. But uh, the war actually brought about maybe one and a half or two million Syrian refugees just by natural causes. They just walk across the borders, you know. And just uh, I want to emphasize what you're saying for our listeners. This was a country of four million people. And then suddenly there's 2 million more. So yes. the, the population grew by 50% in a matter of months because of the war going on across the border. Yes. I mean, just the the logistical challenges of that, just to get food and shelter and water for all those people is a huge challenge. Yes. It is very noticeable just to wherever you are in Lebanon, in countryside, in the cities, on the coast, in the mountainous areas, they are very, very noticeable. And then most of them, the largest majority, are innocent people, impoverished people. They need help. And actually, despite the... Uh, background among the Lebanese people, especially the Christians who were harmed maybe by the uh, Syrian presence in Lebanon in the past because of the war and struggles and this and that. However, I think the Lebanese people in general showed every respect and help and uh, genuine uh, will uh, for compassion and um, humanitarian work and they offered their best 
they offered uh, whatever they had and then they are still doing this in general but um, more importantly the evangelical churches and other NGOs are doing a lot some churches are having are helping maybe a thousand families thousands of families it depends on their ability the staff members they have or the location like if the churches are in the in the Beka Valley then they help thousands if they are in Beirut also and among those refugees you know some others are coming maybe from Iraq you know Christian families from Christian background and then uh, really getting very impoverished and then like lost they have lost their homes their uh, history their roots and uh, now they are waiting in Lebanon, waiting for UNHCR on for expatriation, just waiting, praying on their knees for the hope of having an asylum visa so that they can get out of the country. When we ask them, wouldn't you want to go back to your respective countries and then be a lighthouse for the gospel of Jesus there? They hope, but they are frightened because they don't trust that in the future, the atrocities which happened to them and to their little beloved ones, they might happen again. So... I don't know if the circumstances would change and then the possibilities of uh, terrorism would be eradicated completely. Maybe you will see many of these people, not only who are still waiting in the Middle East, but those also who left to the West, many of them would like very much to go back to their country of homeland, if, homeland countries. If it was safe, if it was peaceful. Yes, if yes, yes. If they felt like their children had a safe place to, yes. to live and grow up and, and go to school. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Pastor Pierre. He is active in sharing the gospel and working with refugees in the country of Lebanon. One of the things that you see is you see God at work, and you see Muslims coming to faith in Christ in Lebanon, in Syria, in the surrounding na nations. Can you tell some of the stories about how people are finding Jesus in the midst of war, in the midst of refugee status, in the midst of suffering, Jesus is reaching them. I know of many individual cases of people who did not really know Jesus. They were living in the darkness, whether in uh, Islam or maybe traditional Christianity in Syria. And then once they lost everything, they came to Lebanon. Many of them said, I came to church to take maybe a tin of corned beef or tuna or rice or sugar, whatever. <laughs> I, I mean, needed help. <laughs> yeah, they needed help. They needed to eat uh, uh, physical food. And there they say, we are thankful because we went f to seek physical food. And then there we found spiritual food and their lives was really changed. And then now many of them, and we are happy for that to see them returning to their respective towns in Syria. And then they would be returning there, carrying with them their new hearts, new lives, uh -huh. new experience, a new faith to share among other their Muslim brothers or among their uh, Christian brothers. So hopefully more enlightenment would be, despite of the disasters, there is always a possibility and a chance for hope and for change through Jesus because he, he has the ability to change disasters into a blessing. Into those situations where someone has come to faith out of Islam, what kind of persecution do they have to deal with or will they likely face? Obviously, every situation is a little bit different, but are there patterns of persecution? Does it typically start with family? Does it start with the police or the government? What happens to a person who leaves Islam to follow Christ? 
It depends on the country. Speaking about Syria, although Syria is a Muslim country, but I think as a country, they don't really are not really bothered about religious issues. They don't really interfere, as far as I know, with people who change their religious affiliation. Uh, 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 I mean, spiritually at the government level. Yes. They don't interfere. Yeah, yeah. No. But uh, at the family level, the family, if they are really really committed, they would take it over as their own duty and obligation to uh, persecute their son or their daughter, and if not, maybe to surrender their sons and daughters for persecution by the real fanatic people. So some cases would bring maybe killing or torturing or more than that. And it could be literally at the hands of your own family. uh, Usually this is how it starts, you know, and then it should start. Some families are sympathetic and maybe they are more moderate and then they would not bother. But then when the, once the society would know, then they would take over this duty. This is now speaking about Syria. If we speak about uh, other countries in the Gulf countries, whatever, Jordan, Iraq, there, the government would take uh, on itself the duty of uh, stopping any conversion from Islam to Christianity. But the other way is uh, constitutionally open. The only country in the Middle East where you can change legally your uh, religious uh, affiliation from Christianity to Islam or Islam to Christianity without being bothered at all by the constitution, by legal process or socially is Lebanon. So that's why living in Lebanon now, we are flooded by many, many, many people who are coming beside the refugees also because of persecution you know specifically because of that freedom yes. that lebanon yeah. has they come to seek asylum in lebanon well not really seeking asylum in lebanon seeking maybe a temporary uh, temporary refuge until the unhcr would grant them asylum to go to western countries mm-hmm. we're talking today on voice of the martyrs radio with pastor pierre he is working in lebanon so as you're reaching out to people, and as you're sharing the gospel, you're seeing people come to faith, you know that this persecution may happen. How do you prepare them? How do you get them ready to go through that victoriously, as opposed to letting it defeat their faith? This is a a very known fact in the New Testament, that those who would follow the Lord Jesus in genuine repentance and faith, they would be persecuted. This is like a privilege, you know, a tag on the shoulder of every Christian to be persecuted. So... Uh, why should that, we promise that's a them? strange message for American Christians? <laughs> well, the the check mark that yes you've you've passed the persecution test. Yeah, we don't think about that. Well, yeah, and then even us as uh, believers uh, from a, a traditional historical Christian uh, background, sometimes uh, we did feel we did uh, suffer from persecution. Yes, I did, and then my church did, uh, but in a maybe more moderate way. So. It's very important also to assure those people that the Lord will not forsake them when they would be exposed to persecution. And how? Of course, with his power and spirit, but also through brethren like us who will be praying for them and then caring for them, inquiring about their situation and trying to help if we are needed. So it's very important. Of course, not I don't mean to make them dependent on us, of course, because sometimes you cannot do anything. You cannot access people in their respective countries, but uh, to show them that uh, you will not be forgotten and forsaken by the Almighty God and by people who love you. Which obviously is part of what we do here at Voice of the Martyrs, just uh, helping to connect the body of Christ here in the U.S. 
with the body of Christ in Syria, in the Middle East, across that part of the world. When you talk about that connection, what does that mean? When, when someone is really going through persecution and you remind them you're not alone, there are brothers and sisters who are praying for you, how does that affect their faith and their ability to withstand the persecution? I think many, many of them say, I don't believe how the Lord provided or just arranged for me to meet you and see you and know really that you can help me in the midst of my... Because even when they come to Lebanon, maybe, maybe some wives are followed by their husbands or husbands are followed by their brothers or tribe or so. And then they might be severely persecuted also in Lebanon by the, I mean, Muslim fanatic people. So when they see that we or others are able to stand beside them and help them, they would say they would really be astonished and very blessed and encouraged. And then they would be more willing to undergo dangers, you know, irrespect of the repercussions. I'm not calling here, of course, for the uh, obsession of uh, martyrdom, you know, as it was the case in the early centuries. It's not seeking persecution. It's enduring it when it does happen. Yes, yes. Not fleeing away, not let fear overwhelm us and then silence our truth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We want to equip people to pray. How do we pray for Syria for the situation right now, and especially for Christians there, who may be facing that persecution from their family members. I would really hope to see peace being established there and then normal life uh, return. I don't know whom and under whose whatever uh, authority or hegemony, this is uh, not our uh, business or uh, interest, but uh, we want, we hope, we pray to see uh, normal life restored in Syria. Christians in general are very keen on seeing uh, like things as they were before the war continue now after the war. Uh, and then we pray that the Lord will let people rethink, and they are rethinking their uh, false beliefs from before. Mm-hmm. And then uh, not only Muslims, but also traditional Christians who are maybe uh, standing on false foundations, they have to go back to a very genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus and then respect the Bible, believe in every word in it, and then know that this is the book of truth. This is where you can really understand life and eternity. This is where you can uh, build a bridge through Jesus to reach eternal life uh, through his blood and through his forgiveness. And... um, Yeah, we are really astonished that the churches and the believers there themselves are very surprised. They say, we are still the same. We are weak. We are like you, the same. Because they look at us in Lebanon. We have people, but limited numbers. But they have unlimited numbers. And they recognize the fact that people came first for physical food, for physical help. But then... You cannot send them away even when the physical food is not giving because they are now attached to the word of life. The spiritual food is is more lasting. Yes. What about the country of Lebanon and the church in Lebanon? How do we pray for for your church and for you? My heart is to see a church planting movement, more churches, Bible-believing churches, uh, lighthouses uh, being built in every village, in every town in Lebanon. This is the place where Christianity first began in the Middle East. We need really the torch of the witness of the gospel to be flaming and shining from that area again. And we pray that this would uh, 
be tangible and uh, experienced. May it be so. May Amen. it be Amen. so. Amen. Pastor Pierre, I know we have shared a story in our newsletter, or we are sharing a story in our newsletter about one of the brothers that you have met and how God really used persecution to build his faith. Can you share his story with our yes, listeners? Yes, yes. Yeah, there is a very dear brother. I met him many times. Uh, this is a family who really were very well, well-off family in, um, in Syria. So this young man, he was kidnapped for 11 days by some terrorists. And then they uh, were beating him, torturing him, insulting him, insulting his cross. He was not yet a genuine believer. His sister who fled away, she became a genuine believer in a Baptist church in uh, Homs and Tarsus. And then they, they came to Lebanon Some and his brothers became believers and they started praying for him before he got kidnapped uh-huh. for, his, uh, for his father, <laughs> for protection and then for genuine faith. Then he got kidnapped. Then the churches were on their knees praying for him. On the 11th day, he was told by one of the terrorists, they decided to finish you up. Just kill him. So they put a bag on his head and then took him to the wilderness and then made him kneel with his hand uh, cuffed and then uh, just behind his back. And then they made him kneel with the head covered by a bag. And then he was praying, Lord, don't let them slaughter me with a knife. Let them just shoot me. It would be maybe easier, less painful. And then instead of uh, hearing like the machine guns, automatic machine guns being loaded, he heard the car, their uh, their uh, vehicles, engines going like this. And then they went away. He waited one minute, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. Nobody is here. Then he managed to shove the bag from his uh, head away and then undo his uh, the ties of, from his hands. And then nobody's. So he went crazy from joy with tears. And then he walked through the wilderness, through rivers and so and so. And then a certain tractor took him back home. And then they managed to flee by the skin of their teeth before ISIS came, because that was a uh, a group before ISIS who kidnapped wow. him. Then ISIS came and then they were still there. And then as they were promising that after Ramadan, no mercy, they will kill everybody, meaning every Christian. So they managed to flee away from there. And then they came to Lebanon. He became a very genuine believer in his father. His father and brothers are all like diabetic and then uh, uh, really like in a very dramatic way. But then I met his father as well. He said, I thank the Lord. I lost everything, but I won eternal life and eternal destiny with Jesus. He was a very wealthy man. He used to help people, help the poor Muslim people in his area with thousands of dollars. Now he's penniless, you know, of course, being helped by by people who love the Lord like... uh, VOM, they are most thankful for the genuine faith. They became converted, get baptized, and they are waiting for the Lord's second return. Amazing. Uh, I'm reminded of the story of, of the pearl of great price, that you sell everything you have to get it. He's lost everything he had, but he has joy because he's found that that treasure, yes. that heavenly treasure. You see in such cases, literal, a literal implementation uh, and examples of this, uh, this beautiful uh, parable of the Lord Jesus. I want to ask you one more question, Pastor Pierre, as we close out. Uh, we've talked about praying for the countries. We've talked about praying for the church. How do we pray for Muslims in the Middle East? We need to pray for freedom, religious freedom. 
intellectual freedom, you know, uh, courage also, freedom and courage for people to have the guts and the courage to question their faith and then really seek the truth in an objective and uh, not biased way. So I would rejoice if I see some of my Muslim friends meeting Jesus. Amen. Pastor Pierre, thank you for being our guest. Thank you for your work uh, in the Middle East and for helping us understand how that we can pray for brothers and sisters in that part of the world. God bless you. Thank you very much for the chance to speak about the Lord Jesus. You've been listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We've been talking with Pastor Pierre. He is a gospel worker in Lebanon. If you're just joining us, you can go online to vomradio.net and listen to this entire conversation, as well as the previous conversation we had with Pastor Pierre. In that conversation, we talked about a a martyr that he knew personally, and and he shared the story of Bonnie Witherall. So you can find that again at vomradio.net. I hope you'll be back with us next week. We're going to have an update on the church in China and what is happening there in the midst of a wave of increased persecution You won't want to miss that, so be back with us next week right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.